right, what's up, folks? Welcome to the show. Let me know if my audio levels are all jacked up, uh, per usual, while in the remote studio. Today is Thursday, June 22nd, 2023. Welcome to episode number 393 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Carrie, Ian Kincaid, Sublime Ghost, definitely haircut fish on What's Your Mean Thursday, Ms. Jenny Housley, Semphilis, Matthew Pelkey, and so many others of the Simply Cyber community and squad members. Tom Bishop, OG getting in here early. We're going to be shredding through the top cyber news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break into the industry, there is value for you here. I promise you, how do you tactically implement this at work if you're an InfoSec analyst or engineer? How do you how do you strategically work what we're about to talk about into your long-term strategy for if you're a CISO, if you're just looking to break in? Dude, terminology, concepts, current threat actor behaviors. What do you do to stay current in the industry? These are all things that are gonna come up in a job interview and you can just do a microphone drop as you drop knowledge bombs on the interviewer and then demand 10% more salary based on the ChatGPT video that dropped yesterday. Go check it out. Like I said, we got a great show for you, but before we get into it, let me pay homage. Let me throw a coin to my witchers. Barricade Cyber Solution. Thanks so much for sponsoring the stream, Barricade Cyber, allowing me to deliver this every single morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks. Thanks, Eric Taylor. Uh, and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues. I'm talking issues for businesses and said dedicated hardworking business owners into turmoil, but Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Barricade Cyber is so OG and so evergreen, a sponsor and an integrated part of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, my man, Barricade Cyber has its own emote. So if you're a squad member and you see those uh, blue circles floating around, that, my man, is Barricade Cyber. I can't do it right now because um, I'm, I'm dealing with such a tightly... I can't... <laughs> I can't get in there. You guys can't see it, but I can't scroll to the actual Barricade Cyber. But believe me, Dan Ketledge knows. I got their website up on stream. If you are watching on the video, if you're listening on your audio podcast app of choice, I'm scrolling down Barricade Cyber's website, going to Eric Taylor's calendar, and showing everybody in chat exactly how easy it is to schedule a meeting with Eric Taylor and talk about how Barricade Cyber can help you out. Uh, also, much love for Panopsi, but I'll mention them at the mid-roll just to kind of mix it up a little bit. Also, mad love to ACI Learning. They're not a stream sponsor, but they are awesome, and I love them. You can get 30% off at ACI Learning with the, the code simply cyber. 30 if you're interested guys tons of free stuff on the internet absolutely do the free stuff first but if your time is you don't have a lot of time or your time's incredibly valuable consider something like aci learning because they basically curate and gm everything into one highly produced quality platform education labs practice exams thank you aci learning also i just saw hold on don't think you're gonna sneak by me james mcquiggan what's up did we just become best friends yet? Yep. Thanks so much for the super chat, James. James, I noticed, uh, you know what's funny about James McQuiggan? He whips my butt in chess and uh, we go back and forth. Maybe I win, maybe he wins. But if he like throttles me two, three games in a row, 
It's like, do you guys remember um, Excite Bike? Uh, I know I'm taking it back a little bit, but like Excite Bike, when you would like run turbo too long and your bike would overheat and it would pull over on the side of the track. And if you don't have gray in your hair, go Google Excite Bike, please. It's a classic. Anyways, James O'Quiggan, if he if he flogs me on chest three times in a row, the the bike overheats and he pulls over to the side. So uh, I'm waiting for my bike to cool down so I can take on James again. All right, guys, if you're here live with us, absolutely love it. Thank you so much, 142 of you. Guys, we hit a new record with uh, Team Live yesterday with 307, so congratulations. Thank you very much, uh, Team Live, for your continued support. If you uh, want, drop a hashtag Team Live in chat. Every episode of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast is worth half a CPE. So, you know, basically it's a, it's a way to say like here, 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 present. In, yep, so like, just say what's up, hashtag team live. If you're watching on replay, Chris Weaver, I see you out there. Uh, hashtag team replay in the chat. Ms. LaFleur dropping a squad member Omega. Nice, thanks so much, Lisa. Enjoy the um, squad emotes. Guys, team replay are people too, and I love myself some team replay, so drop it in the comments and let me know what your favorite story was in the news briefing. Guys, I got really positive feedback on the Chiron scrolling down on the bottom, so we'll be making that a permanent piece of the show. You can also see I put the socials rotator above my head because uh, that was getting covered up. So we're, we're making improvements, y'all, one piece at a time. Now, if you're listening to my voice right now and you're like, who the hell is this guy? Sorry, Kennedy. Who the crap is this guy? Because um, it's your first time here. Do me a favor and do a hashtag first timer in chat. We do love welcoming newcomers to the stream and letting them know what's up and how things go around here. You're more than welcome. Please enjoy the free coffee and the donuts in the back of the room at the table. Hashtag first timer. Great to have you. If you are my favorite person here, somebody who's a little shy, a little socially introverted, knows that networking is incredibly valuable, but doesn't know how to do it. Take your first step into the light of professional networking and just type put your hands on the keyboard put your hands on the on the uh you know mobile phone screen and type hashtag passive observer hashtag passive observer is a easy step for someone who's a little uncomfortable in chat to step forward and just say what's up and watch what happens my passive observer friends when you step into the light of networking you will be welcomed with love and open arms and it's awesome so get on that uh, I get a Kennedy emote. That's so funny. Uh, I just need an emote of like the monkey covering its mouth because uh, that's me uh, or a donkey covering its mouth. Uh, so anyways, I love it. Love it. Love it. Um, did I cover everything? Yep. Team live, team replay, team passive observer, half a CPE. We got it all. Guys, got a great show for you. It is Wednesday, which means what's your meme Thursday? Uh, Haircut Fish delivers custom memes for our audience and today is a good one if you're a regular of the show you're going it's going it's it's a good one it's a call back to something from tidbits tuesday linkedin passive observer all right sit back and relax and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome way see you guys at the mid-roll it's thursday june 22nd 2023 new doj cyber prosecution team will go after nation state threat actors the U.S. DOJ has announced that its National Security Division has a new cyber section dubbed NATSEC Cyber. 
NetSec Cyber was created in response to findings from the 2022 Comprehensive Cyber Review conducted by the U.S. Attorney General's Office. Assistant Attorney General Matthew G. Olson said, quote, This new section will allow NSD to increase the scale and speed of disruption of campaigns and prosecutions of nation-state threat actors, state-sponsored cyber criminals, associated money launderers, and other cyber-enabled threats to national security, end quote. Olson added that NATSEC will position prosecutors to begin investigating reported cyber threats in the earliest stages. Okay, so this is really cool. Um, there's a lot going on here, okay? And this, this is not, it's not obvious based on the news story, but uh, stay with me. I feel like there's a lot going on here. So um, let's roll it back for a second, okay? Just earlier this week, the United Kingdom announced that um, like the head of their NSA red team, right? That like the, uh, like a super hacker engineer guy uh, is leaving that job to become the you know vice chair or the the head of um, the economic and organized crime unit in the UK. And we thought that was interesting, or at least I thought it was interesting, simply because that doesn't seem like a, a role, but obviously it it would indicate that. The UK is taking ransomware threat actor groups as modern day mafia, as organized crime, and they're starting to pivot, okay, on, on how they're going to address it. Second of all, this story drops, okay, DOJ is going to go after nation state threat actors, and they have a national security division that is going to have a NATSEC cyber section. Mono Julian looking for cyber friends on my way to New York City for my son's graduation and last school trip. I definitely need a GRC vulnerability analyst role. Thank you so much, Mono Julian. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much, Mono Julian. And also, congratulations on your son's graduation. That's uh, fantastic. Bittersweet since it's the last school trip. I can only imagine my kid graduated middle school and it was a tearjerker. So I can only imagine um, that, you know, amazing life accomplishment. But Mono Julian, a lot of, lot of great opportunities. Uh, Kimberly can fix asking to connect on stream. Jump into the um, jump into the Discord server, Mono Julian. Uh, Chinadu brings up the ten million dollar bounties that um, the the FBI laid out on Klopp ransomware. And then finally, and this one's a, a bit of a long poll. If you recall, the National uh, United States White House Executive Strategy or whatever it was, it was like the White House Cybersecurity Strategy. It, it came out in like. Um, in like March, April timeframe, if you guys remember. And it basically authorized, um, uh, they call it hack back, but it basically authorized US government to be able to go into, um, not just be defensive, but offensive, okay? And I know like we can talk about it at jaw jacking, but believe me, the White House cybersecurity strategy had five pillars and it was very wordy and it was very like verbose but if you boiled it down to its brass tacks, one of the five pillars was that the U.S. can go after people, okay? This right here, this right here, hold on, Jesus, get in screen. This right here, this is operationalizing that strategy, all right, guys? Re real quick, right? In, in the world of, like, business or big government or whatever, large organizations, there's strategy then there's operations, and then there's tactical, okay? It's those three tiers, and they look like a funnel or something like that. Strategy is like, here's where we're going. This is what, to, this is what we're doing. Operational is like, you know, like, let's get it done, processes, and tactical is like executing on it, okay? 
this is operationalizing the White House strategy. I have zero doubt. Okay, now, now that we all understand what this is and what, like, what's really going on, th like, this is a massive shift, first of all. This is a massive shift. This is the United States and really what looks like the five I countries, if, if we're going to infer what the UK is doing as part of this alignment. What we're talking about right now is, and this is kind of, I, I don't even know how they solve this. We're talking about taking the U.S. federal government and going after organized crime in other countries. Do you understand? Can you imagine, okay, if the mafia, okay, like like the 1930s mafia, right, the Don Corleones, the, the, the Al Capones or whatever, can you imagine if they operated in Russia, okay, but they were able to do their like casinos and extortion and racketeering in the United States. For the United States to go into Russia and grab up those um, mafia members, it, it makes sense on paper, but the host country has to support it. I do not know how the DOJ with their NATSEC team is going to go into Russian airspace effectively, Russian cyberspace, and grab these guys or, or disrupt or dismantle their operations without pissing off the Russians, right? And if you're gonna physically go there and arrest them, you need Russia's blessing. You can't just go and freaking drop in, grab up some people. This isn't a Mission Impossible movie. So I don't know, I, I'd be curious. I, yeah, yeah, forget about it, Gabe Lister. I, I don't know how they do it, but like, I love what they're doing. This is hopefully going to curb um, ransomware. I actually had a conversation. I had a dinner with a guy, very smart guy, um, maybe like two years ago, three years ago. Ransomware was still rampant. And he said, because I don't want to name him because about what I'm going to say, but he said, you know what they need to do? They need to take a black ops team and send them in and just eliminate, i.e., you know, like three of the ringleaders, three of the most popular or, or uh, strategically valuable ransomware ringleaders. Just, just, just eliminate them and do it in a really messy way. And that'll send a signal. And I was like, geez, dude, that's like pretty horrific. And he's like, what else, what else is gonna motivate him to stop? What else? You, you need to instill terror in them to make those decisions to do those operations. I was like, holy crap. So obviously that didn't happen. Fast forward and now we're talking about this. This is like, this is a massive shift. Like, like I said, this story doesn't seem like a big deal. This is a big deal. This is a very big deal. This is going to enter into geopolitics, nation state, you know, so we'll see how it goes, but I'm very, very intrigued by this story. Apple fixes zero days used to deploy triangulation spyware. Researchers from Kaspersky have released more details about an iOS backdoor they've named TriangleDB. The spyware leverages zero-click exploits via the iMessage platform and allows attackers to dump iCloud keychain data and load additional Mach-O modules in memory to harvest file contents, geolocation, installed iOS applications, and running processes. The malware has a lifespan of 30 days, after which it gets automatically uninstalled unless the time period is extended by the attackers. The threat actors behind the campaign are currently unknown, although Russia is accusing the U.S. government of carrying out a reconnaissance operation. Apple pushed fixes across nearly all iPhones, iPads, and Apple Watches on Wednesday. All right. Here we go. Here's another story, right? So we talked about this triangulating... 
triangulation malware not too long ago, targeting iOS devices, Russia comes out and says, this is the United States effort to uh, like basically spy on us in Russia. Um, go back here, right? Like, what am I, what am I saying, dude? Like, U.S. and China are locked in this geopolitical uh, economic war around semiconductors. Russia's pushing into Ukraine. U.S. doesn't like it. U.S. has got this, like, beef with Russia around cyber. And, and this is, like, just another, like, dude, it's like throwing another bale of hay onto the, onto the pyre, okay? Maybe it catches, maybe it doesn't. But this is what's going on. This is escalating. And I hate, I, I don't want you guys to think that I'm, like, this chicken little up here flipping out about, Russia versus U.S., like it's some 1984 Cold War thing. But I'm just saying, this is this is in the news, okay? Now, Kaspersky said that they were the target of one of these triangulation attacks. Kaspersky, really well-known anti-malware um, technology company out of Russia, famously or infamously known for uh, being um, accused without I saw without any type of supporting evidence. Um, that they were spying, and they had the contract for the U.S. federal government's anti-malware. Uh, it was, you know, an edict came out. I think it was Trump. I think it was Trump. Um, maybe it was Obama, but it, I think it was Trump. Uh, an edict came out saying that, like, Kaspersky, Kaspersky's banned from U.S. government systems, just the way TikTok is, and that was the end of that. So Kaspersky lost a major contract with that one. Super butthurt, obviously. Um, looking for a... Infographic. I don't see one. Uh, long story short, I guess the 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 real uh, value for you know practitioners and people new here. Apple iPhones are not immune to malware. So you know if if you got some Carl in your <laughs> if you got some Carl in your business who's like I use an iPhone, I'm secure, or I use a Mac product, I'm secure. Um, you can either a tell them they're not, uh, b show them this story. Or C, play this game that I just saw recently that's outrageous where you fill your mouth with water and another person does, and then you slap each other with a um, like an open, flat tortilla shell. <laughs> it's, it sounds so stupid, but when you watch people do it, it's actually quite hilarious. So anyways, long story short, nation-state threat actors doing nation-state threat actor things here. Schumer unveils strategy to regulate AI. On Wednesday, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer unveiled a framework for regulating artificial intelligence and warned that Congress must join the AI revolution now or risk losing its only chance to regulate the rapidly moving technology. He revealed plans to launch a series of AI insight forums featuring top AI developers, executives, scientists, community leaders, workers, and national security experts, which will form the foundation for more detailed policy proposals for Congress. Schumer said, quote, we have no choice but to acknowledge that AI's changes are coming and in many cases are already here, end quote. Have a good one, Cyber Ninja. Move it. Hold on one second. Ransomware victim list continues to grow. Okay, hold on. Uh, that was uh, the next story. Okay, so Chuck Schumer. <laughs> you know, the only, I guess the one thing I would say is I'm glad that like all of these senators and Congress people um, have a team of people beneath them. Cause like, this isn't a political show. So this isn't about, um, Shall we play a game? this isn't about Democrats and Republicans, but like Chuck Schumer, I, I don't think of Chuck Schumer as like on the cutting edge of what's going on with AI. Nice guy. I'm sure smart guy. I'm sure. Um, I don't think he's in touch with, with, uh, with this. Okay. So, 
What, what I am happy about is that, the okay, so I'm happy and I'm angry about two things, okay? One, the US is trying to do some regulation around AI. I think that's incredibly important. Um, a lot of countries should be doing this. I almost think that AI should be a United Nations um, level discussion, not a United States level. Like, dude, if the US is sanctioning and, and managing AI and China's not, okay? or, you know, insert country here, like Djibouti, okay? Let's just pretend so I don't seem like I'm biased. Let's pretend Djibouti is like this up and coming darling uh, in the AI tech space, okay? If, if, if the major powers in the world are regulating AI and Djibouti's like, hell no, man, let's go, YOLO, let, let's go AI all the way, then, then there's no point to write, like, you see what I'm saying? It's like an arms race. You all have to be on the same page and you all have to agree or else, or else what's going to happen is United States is going to like stifle their own innovation and then look over at Djibouti who's got like AI running tanks and fighter jets and stuff. And they'll be like, oh no, like we totally messed up here. Like we're way behind the curve. So what'll end up happening is they'll sanction it, stifle it for public use. The government, uh, the military sector will continue to innovate and develop. It's just, to me, like this is a fine step, but this needs to be done at a global scale. Second thing, okay? Shall we play a game? I see you, ChatGPT. Here's my second thing, okay? And I know it's not fair. I know it's not fair, but hear me out, okay? They're going to convene this fall to talk to begin talks around AI regulation, bro, ChatGPT came out in March. Like, like, like widespread, widespread usage in March, okay? It's freaking June. And I've never seen a more disruptive technology. Like, guys, I, I know many of you are not old enough to know this. And some of you definitely are old enough to know this. What do you mean no sound? You guys not hearing my sound effects? Okay, thanks, Kimberly. Okay, so check this out. Okay, check this out. Wh like, again, this is this is a uh, gray hair Jerry. Okay, the year, the year is 1994, 1995, 1996. Okay, I want to say 94. I get my gateway PC, right? My 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 cow PC, or I I had a. Uh, Actually, before the, I had a Hewlett Packard 486 SX with a turbo button, and you know what I'm talking about with the turbo button, okay? The internet kind of existed. I did BBSs, and then AOL came out. It was like 96. AOL came out. You would dial up, and you'd be on the internet, okay? And you could go to a couple crappy sites using like a Lynx browser. Then Netscape Navigator came out, and the world was afire with the internet. It still took, it still took like literally years before the internet took off. That's why it was called the dot-com boom in the 2000s. The internet was here in 96. It took like four years for it to really capture what the hell we could do with the internet and monetize it and all these things, right? And social media came way after. Social media came in like, like 2000, well, I guess in the early 2000s, right, MySpace? But my, my point is, okay, my point is, Something as freaking disruptive as the internet took years. ChatGPT, it, it's been a few months and it's already everywhere. We cannot talk without talking about 
AI and ChatGPT, it's like in every freaking product, it's in every freaking news story, it is everywhere. We live in the AI age. I'm telling you, I've been saying this since uh, March. We don't live in the information age anymore, we live in the AI age, okay? That's how quickly it's moving. And for US federal politicians to say we'll convene in the fall because AI is a dire, uh, a dire risk that needs to be regulated sooner before we miss the window. They literally said in the thing, before we miss the window, okay? If it's that freaking important, if it is an existential threat, which it is, how are you going to recess and go on your yacht or go on your vacation or go wherever you're gonna go? This is the equivalent, okay, and I know I'm being hyperbolic. This is the equivalent of having like proxy shell drop on a Friday. You know what you don't do? You don't go home for the weekend and come back Monday at 9 a.m. and see what's up, no. You friggin' order pizzas and you grind through and get this, sh get this done because it's important. God damn it. Like by the time this, by the time they convene, it's gonna take them months to get their, you know, head out of their butt, right? It, 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 it's just gonna be, it, I, I don't wanna say it's gonna be too late, but I feel like you're, 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 you're wasting cycles for no reason, right? I get it, I get it, you got other things going on, but maybe we apply some GRC reasoning here, right? And prioritize things. Sometimes unexpected things crop up, like once in a generation. Oh! Fancy! Freaking fucking. Gen Digital, the parent company of cybersecurity subsidiaries Avast and Norton, confirmed on Tuesday that the personal information of its employees was compromised in yet another Move It ransomware attack. The company said compromised data includes names, addresses, employee IDs, and email addresses. Gen Digital said all known vulnerabilities have been remediated and that there is no impact to customers or partners or their core IT systems and services. The news comes after Metro Vancouver Transit Police confirmed earlier this week that it too fell victim to hackers gaining unauthorized access to files on its MoveIt server. And on Tuesday, three plaintiffs from Louisiana representing more than 100 individuals filed a class action lawsuit in Massachusetts against MoveIt producer Progress Software. The lawsuit indicates that after their data was compromised in the Louisiana Office of Motor Vehicles MoveIt breach, affected individuals have become targets of social engineering attacks. The complaint also claims Progress Software failed to notify impacted victims. All right. So we'll see what goes on here. Okay, so yes, the, the story is that two major anti-malware providers um, were affected by the Move It ransomware. But to me, that's not the story, okay? Yeah, like it sucks, okay? The Move It ransomware, the Clop ransomware gang. You know, uh, occasionally I give like some kudos to the threat actors. Hat tip to you, comrade, right? Because they are believed to be Russian-based threat actors. Right, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if saying comrade is politically incorrect or not, or, or insensitive. So just hat tip, okay? I'm trying to throw some love. The fact that they wrote, they sat on this move it uh, vulnerability for a minute. They were able to exploit it so swiftly and so elegantly that they went wholesale and got, it sounds like hundreds, if not thousands of victims data. This was a, well-orchestrated, very complicated 
operation, okay? I'm like, you cannot, like, just for a minute, take apart the fact that, like, there's victims and they're criminals. Just look at it objectively. They launched a campaign that hit many, 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 many different people, was able to compromise them, was able to exfil large amounts of data, bring it somewhere, organize it, set it up, and now they're iterating over, um, you know, like monetizing the victimization of the data. Like, it very, very complicated um, operation. This is not some punk in a, in, a, in a basement. You know what I mean? Like, this is, this is enterprise-grade, elite-level cybercrime. What the story here is, um, yeah, sorry, I was just looking at chat to see if anyone commented on my comrade thing. It looks like Ken said that's just differentiating someone is politically insensitive. So, uh, yeah, anyway, sorry, maybe I won't say comrade. Um, I feel like they do that in the movies, but now I'm thinking, like, those are 90s movies, which were pre-today. Uh, the story here is that a law group in Louisiana are filing a class action lawsuit in Massachusetts against Progress Software. Now you might be, why Massachusetts? There's a big tech, uh, software tech sector um, around Boston. There's like a little beltway around Boston. It's not quite Silicon Valley, so you know, pump the brakes on that. But there is a tech sector. You know who used to be here? Wang, Wang Computers. If you really wanna go old school, James McQuiggan, I'm looking at you. Wang Computers. Um, anyways, we'll see. Their, their argument is that Progress, who owned MoveIt, did not do enough to protect the software and did not notify the victims. This is going to be a really interesting case. I don't think the class action lawsuit has a snowball's chance in HE double hockey sticks because you cannot, uh, you cannot guarantee invulnerable software. You cannot guarantee hardened secure software software will always have will always have issues right like it's no product ever says like guaranteed 100 percent secure right so um i don't think that they're gonna be able to do that and prove that uh and plus there's a litany of case study around software being you know because then what we're gonna sue microsoft and we're gonna sue google and we're because because there's vulnerabilities right you could sue everybody Right, get the Oprah emotes going. Sue you, sue you, sue you. You get sued, you get sued, you get sued. So that would really set an interesting precedent. Um, now, as far as not notifying victims, we'll see. Progress should know who had the software. Um, it'll turn into a timeline where, and guys, this is a this is a SecOps GRC thing. This is one of those times where SecOps and GRC intersect. It'll be interesting because. Um, you know how, guys, I tell you on stream before, I've told you before, and this is a trick question for um, people interviewing. What's the difference between an incident and an event and a breach, okay? The thing is, a lot of times there are timers that get started, right? You need to notify within 72 hours of a breach. Well, that's a really specific term. So what ends up happening is, Oh, hey, we detected an event that seems weird. We're going to investigate it. Okay, so that's Monday. On Wednesday, the investigation concludes and it's confirmed an incident. All right, it's an incident. Now we need to confirm, like there, there was an intrusion. We need to confirm what happened. Was there a breach, okay? 
And then you could take as long as you want within reason before you confirm breach. But like literally on day one, you could see data, data going across the wire and you're like, oh, sh we got data Excel here, people, right? But until the investigation is completed, you don't need to declare a breach, right? It's a, it's a bit of semantics. It's a bit of bureaucratic bullcrap, but it's reality. So Progress might be able to say, hey, listen, we didn't confirm a breach until this date, and we, we agreed to give our, uh, our customers a notification within 72 hours of that date, um, and, and that, that did not happen, right? Or it did happen, right? So uh, we'll see where this lawsuit goes. Ricardo, my man, Ricardo Benavides, Where's my, there it is. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you, Ricardo, for the super chat, my man. Love it, love it, love it. Let's keep rolling. And now a word from our sponsor, Wing Security. Shadow IT is an evolving pain and security risk, especially in today's decentralized work environments. Now's the time to regain control of your SaaS usage by taking advantage of Wing's free SaaS Shadow IT discovery solution. Check out Wing Security to self-onboard today. No strings attached. All right, it is the mid-roll. Let me know if the audio is too loud. Like I said yesterday, Kimberly, or two days ago, Kimberly was blowing me up. My brother, uh, my, my real older brother, was blowing me up. So, All right, guys, every single day on the mid-roll, we play Simple Minds. Don't you forget about me because it's awesome, and I don't want to forget about you. Guys, mad love and respect for the stream sponsors. Thanks so much, Barricade Cyber Solutions and Panopsi Security. I told you I'd get to the Panopsi at the mid-roll. Guys, Panopsi Security, in addition to being run by an amazing guy, Brandon Poole, they offer mad services, including quantified risk assessments. Now, why would you want a quantified risk assessment? Listen, if you're in charge of InfoSec at your business and you don't have a plan, like you're just reacting to everything, then a quantified risk assessment is something you should totally consider. Why? Because he'll come in, he'll look at your entire operation, and he'll give you a quantified output on what you need to do, first, second, third, and fourth, and different uh, cost options. Oh yeah, Kimberly can fix it. We just become best friends, yep. Thank you so much, Kimberly. Whoops. Thanks so much, Kimberly, for the uh, John Hammond notification. We're gonna get into that in a second. Freaking clip, guys! I got new hardware coming later today. Um, I'm super pumped about it, guys. People, process, technology, threat landscape, industry size, quantified risk assessment—it's literally worth every single penny. Like if you start a new job as a CISO or a direct or a head of infosec, the very first thing you would do day one is say, "What the hell is going on here? I need to know where we are." because I need to anchor myself so I can then move forward in a positive direction. A quantified risk assessment gives you that anchor. Okay, thanks Panopsi, you're the best. Guys, you're also all the best, you know why? It's Simple Minds. Guys, you know why you're the best? Because you guys help other people find the channel. If you're getting educational value or entertainment value, if you liked me getting unhinged on AI, I didn't see that coming. Um, do me a favor, hit the like button. It goes a long way, not really to pump my stats, but to uh, basically trigger the algorithm to go tell other people who like cyber content to come here and check out the stream. So 
If you found our stream randomly, right? If you just stumbled onto the Simply Cyber Threat Briefing, guess what? With all due respect, it wasn't random. It's because people in chat hit the like button and YouTube was like, hey you, you are Google and hack the box walkthroughs. Check this out. And you're like, holy crap, how do I not know about this? Yeah, Pursuit of Bliss knows what's up. Thank you so much, Pursuit of Bliss. All right, guys. Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Definitely appreciate it. I want to say, um, oh my God, um, I'm blanking. James, is it James Henning? Uh, currently has the baton. I think James has it. Um, oh, K. Scott Powell with the birthday wish. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, K. Scott Powell. Guys, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge is an ongoing initiative where one person a day takes the baton and shares their cyber story on LinkedIn. And then all of us go on LinkedIn, and if we're not connected with that person, we connect with them. If we're not connected with the people in the comments, we connect with them. And then we comment, so we get caught up in that slipstream, that peloton of people connecting and commenting. Why would I do this, Jerry? Why do I care about commenting and connecting? Because a professional network is so freaking valuable and it costs nothing except a little bit of your time to build. And yeah, you could connect with a million random people, but most of them are gonna be bots. This is a rich, valuable network that you can build and we're doing it together. Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Holler at you, let me know. James Henning, yeah, James Henning has it. If James is in chat, there's an easy way to check if James is in chat. James! Tag someone, please. All right, guys, while James is doing that, every single Thursday, Dan Reardon provides a custom meme. I shared on Tuesday, I hate freaking snakes. We got the new indie movie coming out and Dan Reardon hooked it up. Snakes, why did it have to be snakes? Thank you so much, Dan Reardon, for the continued awesome custom memes for the Thursday, what's your meme? Never disappointing. Uh, toss a coin to your witcher, toss a coin to your haircut fish. Thanks so much, haircut fish. All right, let's keep rolling on, and I'll see y'all at jawjacking. Mind elite. These internationals info compromised in third-party breach. The producer of Oreo cookies and Ritz crackers, among other snack foods, has warned 51,000 of its past and present employees that their personal info was stolen from the company's third-party law firm. Hackers broke into the network of Brian Cave Layton Paisner LLP and were able to access social security numbers, names, addresses, dates of birth, marital status, gender, employee identification numbers, and retirement plan info belonging to current and former Mondelez workers. As a side note, Mondelez was among the global companies hit in the Not Petja outbreak and recently settled a $100 million plus cleanup bill with its cyber insurer, Zurich American Insurance Company. The fact that Mondelez was involved in the not pet your ransomware attack and was able to get paid out through that uh, uh, settlement deal has nothing to do with this story. Like nothing. Like you could also say like, and in, in, in also Mondelez is known for Twinkies, right? Like I get it's a cyber story. I appreciate that they reference it, but the two things have nothing to do with each other. Okay, this is nothing to do with Mondelez. This is a third-party risk issue, which, by the way, I want to... Joey Hyde has the baton. Wow. All right. Nice. I look forward to Joey Hyde's uh, uh, post. All right, guys, here's the deal. And I find it particularly uh, apropos 
because uh, Neil Bridges used to be CISO over at Mondelez, and he gave me a rash about third-party risk management on his channel uh, like two years ago when I, when I, like some of you, that's where you met me, um, about third-party risk management. Now here's the deal. Mondelez trusted a law firm. Mondelez or whoever you want, you could have the best InfoSec program, right? Infinite budget, infinite people, infinite resources, infinite time. You got everything. Whatever you want, you ask for it. They, got a, they have a magic lamp with a genie who will grant you any InfoSec wish you want. Mondelez, most, like, more secure than the CIA, more secure than the NSA. Wouldn't have stopped this breach, okay? They trusted, reasonably so, sensitive data of employees to a law firm. Now, you've extended your data, right? You've extended your Mondelez data to a third party. The question becomes, how is that third party going to protect it? What do they attest to? What are their practices? And this is why people do these like ridiculously long, stupid questionnaires, which should be standardized, but that's a different conversation. Law firm gets popped, and now Mondelez, despite all their investment and all their best practices, has to wear this egg on their face. This totally sucks for Mondelez. I feel for them. I feel for the CISO over at Mondelez, and I feel for the affected individuals who are going to get another. We take your data privacy seriously. Uh, please enjoy uh, 18 months of identity theft protection. See you later. Um, Guys, it's tough. It is tough when you have, um, it's tough when you do third-party risk, guys. And, and I wanna point out, I, I said this on stream yesterday, if I was a bad guy, right? If my moral compass was corrupted, if I, if I got acid thrown in my face and I turned into Two-Face from Batman, and now I'm like half good and half evil, bro, I would be going gangbusters on law firms and accounting firms because they are central points for businesses to trust really sensitive, important information to. Why, 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 why go to the store and buy the milk? Just go hit the cow, like compromise the barn. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, like get it. So uh, not good. I'm sure, you know, here's another crappy thing. You can send these questionnaires out. I'm sure this law firm had MFA and, you know, change control and vulnerability scanning and privileged access management. And they honestly, the law firm probably outsourced their IT to a managed service provider, if we're being real here. And it takes one person. Carl! Takes Carl. Carl clicks on the wrong thing. Carl installs something dumb, you know, uh, picks up a USB drive in the parking lot that says nudes. It plugs it into their computer, right? There's many different attack vectors, but at the end of the day, it just takes one, right? And that's why we need defense in depth because you're hoping that, you know, that one gets compromised, but it doesn't trickle down into the uh, critical assets. Um, I mean, geez, dude, this could even be, I mean, it's 51,000 records, which sounds like a lot, but it's not, right? So it could be, and I didn't read the story. Again, I do not read these stories or research these stories before I go live. So this is all new to me, but I mean, it could be, it could have been a USB drive someone dropped that just had an Excel file on it with 51,000 records. It's probably not, but, you know, it is a thing. Emerging ransomware. Really, the TLDR here is because this might come up in a job interview. This is what...
third-party risk looks like, and this is why third-party risk is incredibly difficult to manage, because you're not in charge of their InfoSec program. All you get is a freaking questionnaire, and Mondelez will get to sue them. Ooh, okay, that's gonna make the customers happy. Eight base DAXs SMBs globally. Since at least April 2022, a ransomware gang called 8Base, not to be confused with the Florida-based software company of the same name, has been conducting double extortion attacks against small and mid-sized businesses. Victims span industries including science and technology, manufacturing, retail, construction, and healthcare. In May, the group dumped data belonging to 67 organizations on the cyber underground. Researchers say little is known about the gang's tactics, techniques, and protocols, but their leak site includes a terms of service section outlining 13 rules, including a prohibition against police involvement. Eightbase has already doxed 29 new businesses this month. Okay. Um, shout out to Eric Taylor, who pointed out that earlier story about Norton and Navast. Norton LifeLock was involved in that. That poor company. That thing's like a punching bag. But we'll talk about that at jawjacking if you want. Okay, so guys, here's the deal. Um, ransomware groups targeting SMBs with double extortion techniques. Uh, interesting move. Okay. Here's the deal. And I found this out. So many of you may or may not know, or whatever, if you don't know, I own... Uh, which a lot of, okay, so I own my own consulting firm, okay? A lot of senior people, <laughs> senior, like I got a cane and I'm like all, my spine is all bent. Like a lot of seasoned, you know, like a lot of experienced people in the industry typically will either have their own company like Eric Taylor does with Barricade, full on, or you'll have a side consulting business because people are always reaching out to you and saying, can you help me with this or can you give me this or whatever. So you need a business to be able to execute on that. And sometimes it's like, you know, a couple hours of consultation and sometimes it's like full on, like come in and do a quantified risk assessment. Or I have a contract right now of doing monthly information security awareness um, deliverable, like whatever, it doesn't matter. My, my point is, Originally, when I started this business, uh, I was like, oh, small businesses are constantly getting punched in the mouth. I'm going to help them out. This is why my dissertation is actually focused on small healthcare businesses, because they suck at information security. And I wanted to know why, because I wanted to help them. Fast forward. Here's the problem. Many of the small businesses, they are running lean, which means they don't have great cash, homie. Exactly, Randy. They don't have straight cash, homie. They don't want to pay for things. They're paying for like bare minimums. And InfoSec is, even though it's critical, it's a luxury. So they don't have the money for it. So for so a lot of times you go after the bigger fish, right? The $750 million plus companies. Now check this out. 8Base is double extorting SMBs. Like, dude, think about your time and effort versus the return on your investment. If you hit, uh, let's let's pick a company here. Let's pick, um, if you hit Pennzoil, okay, right? Pennzoil, is, or do they still exist? Or F it, like, if you hit Shell Gas, okay? Like Shell just got hit with co-op ransomware. If you hit Shell Gas, you could probably get, let's say, 3% is kind of average right now for, 3% uh, of annual revenue is an average ransomware amount. Let's say Shell Gas makes $100 million a year. You could get $3 million. They make way more than that, but for the sake of these numbers, 
you could get $3 million for one week of business, right? One week of, of effort. Now, if you're hitting SMBs, dude, if an SMB's annual revenue is like $1 million, you're gonna get 30 grand for the same level of effort. Yes, you're probably more likely to deal with less negotiations and um, just get paid, but your, 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 your margins are so lean, it's stupid, right? I'm sure that 8Base is thinking here that somebody like Shell Gasoline has probably got a team of lawyers. They're hooked into the FBI. They've got juice. They've got power. That's a bee's nest you don't want to kick over. So if you go hit like, you know, Monk's Corner True Value Hardware Store, you know, who cares, right? Like the government and the FBI and law enforcement aren't going to help them. So that's the only reason I could see them going after this. But dude, the margins are so lean. It's, it's, it's like, I don't know. Seems like a lot of effort for not a lot, you know, a lot of sizzle, not a lot of steak if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Anyways, just, I guess, here's the TLDR. Those are my thoughts on this particular story. But if you're, um, if you do work at a small business in InfoSec, uh, take this story, bookmark it, and present it to your leadership and remind them, ma'am, sir, we are not too small to be hit. Like th that whole like adage and misnomer is it, that myth. It, it's less pervasive nowadays, but it's still not gone. A lot of CEOs of small businesses think that they're too small. They're like, oh, why would we get hit? We're nobody. We're nothing. We have one IP address. Dude, threat actors don't give a crap. They're all about like spray and pray you hit something. Small businesses, you're just as likely to get hit. So pump the brakes on that, use this story, make a case, get some InfoSec budget. 63% of IT leaders measure IT success by reduced risk. A survey by Rocket Software took a look at the biggest challenges facing IT leaders of large organizations and their approach to modernizing their IT department. The report revealed that the top concerns among IT leaders include improving overall IT performance, data security, process risk and compliance, and the need to improve agility. Respondents noted that the top measure of success within their IT organization was increased efficiency at 71%, which they defined as faster DevOps and automated processes. Optimized resources and reduced risk were also among the top measures of IT success, coming in at 67% and 63% respectively. UPS. All right. So this story is more like less around InfoSec and more around IT. They say that they measure IT success by reduced risk. But if you look at the story, uh, they measure increased efficiency. So, dude, reduced risk is third on the list next to increased efficiency and optimized resources. Let me just let me just break this down to you in, in normal speak, you know, for, for the masses. Increased efficiency. That means um, more bang for your buck, okay? So does optimized resources, okay? That means, oh, we have, we have a firewall, we're using the firewall. We have software, and we're using all the licenses. That's what optimized resources is. Increased efficiency is more like um, speed and performance, right? We're efficient with our processes. We're not bulky and cumbersome. These are all... Uh, these are IT things, okay? And, and they're not crappy, right? You do want to be efficient. You do want to optimize your resources to avoid bloat and mismanaging funds and resources and crap like that. 
But these are clearly IT goals. These are not InfoSec goals, okay, <laughs> at all. Reduced risk, yeah, that's, that is, um, that is uh, an InfoSec-related goal. But risk can be managed, um, obviously, through GRC operations. But risk can be measured many different ways. Uh, you know, it, some people measure risk incorrectly, like number of, vulner, number of uh, vulnerabilities we patched this, this month or number of um, attacks we stopped and stuff like that at the firewall, number of fishes we stopped. That's not really uh, a good metric, okay? Uh, the, people say efficiency is a big deal because of the economic landscape. Exactly. Dude, here's the deal. IT leaders. Great cash, homie. It's all about money, dude. You're given, IT leaders are, begin, are, are being given less money, right? We saw a news story yesterday about uh, contraction uh, in industry for budgets, IT budgets. So you're given less money. And typically, you're asked to do more, which is a double slap in the face. It's an open tortilla shell slap to the face. It's a Will Smith smack to the face. Do more with less, okay? So people aren't getting, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get into all that, but um, risk is a good way to measure. What I, what I will say is it, one, one like shining silver lining of this whole thing is that if risk is truly the third most important metric for measuring success, that's good for us because that means that cybersecurity is continuing to elevate into the discussion at the board and at the executive level of importance. I like it. I, you know, there's probably multiple factors involved. Uh, getting back to money because the insurance companies are like, your premium's going up 8x, and they're like, what? And then third-party risk is happening. Dude, like when you fill out a questionnaire and your information security sucks, and then the company's like, we're not doing business with you, and you lose the deal, the deal, that's a problem, right? That's a big problem. And business leaders, non-IT people, okay, so like the business, they typically, oh, this is like, this is kind of an interesting uh, lesson, okay? Business leaders look at the CIO as make IT work here. We don't care about IT. We just want our computers to work. We want speed. We want efficiency. We want to be able to execute on our visions and IT just work, right? So the IT leader is like, oh, geez, got to do it, got to do it, make it work, uptime, efficiency, all these things. And that's where their success metrics get going because if there's an IT downtime, an IT issue, you're not able to take advantage of some technology. You lose the deal because your infosec sucks. The business is going to be like, what are you doing? The business doesn't understand IT typically, right? Unless you're an IT company. The business doesn't understand IT. So all they know is very Boolean. IT is a black box. Can we do these things we want to do? Yes or no? And if the answer is no, they want answers. Why not? Right? And you better be able to answer that question. So success, mm-hmm. Discloses data breach after customer info used in SMS phishing. In a somewhat sneaky fashion, multinational shipping company UPS has alerted some Canadian customers that their personal info may have been exposed. UPS entitled their letters, quote, Fighting Fishing and Smishing, an update from UPS, end quote, which seemed to be a reminder to customers about the dangers of phishing. Turns out, however, the letters were actually data breach notifications stating that some package recipients received SMS phishing messages demanding payment in order for their packages to be delivered. 
UPS found that the attackers used its package lookup tools to access delivery details, including the recipient's personal contact information between February 2022 and April 2023. And that's... All right, so this is an interesting attack, okay? I was laughing at Alfredo's joke, so maybe I missed part of it. But here's the deal. Not, 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 um, not ridiculous. I've thought about this myself from time to time. Here's the deal. Every one of us, every one of us, Adrian Harris, Jack Scott, Matt, Mark Lauterbach, Scott Mack, all of you and all of me have tracked a package, right? You, you ordered like the, you ordered, um, you know, gear from Amazon or you added a, you ordered a Lima Charlie t-shirt, right? Like this guy. And you're like, oh, when's it coming? When's it coming? And you, you go to the UPS tracking website or the FedEx tracking website or whatever tracking website, and you drop your unique string in, and it tells you, it'll be here later today. And you're like, yes, high fives. Let's go get tacos, okay? Well, that string, while it looks long and unique and, you know, you wouldn't be able to guess it, my suspicion is because of the power of the internet, and technology, um, you could just enumerate over that list. Dude, you can write an API, right? You could write a script that just queries that API. You don't have to go to the website and type in to the little search bar. You could write a script that just enumerates, right? This is called brute forcing, if you haven't heard that term before. You can brute force the crap out of this. And guess what? It takes zero amount of your time because you just write it once, set it, and forget it. In fact, I wouldn't be... Um, Hold on, I'm just kind of curious. This is barred really quickly here. Hold on one second. Can you provide me a list of 10 possible UPS tracking numbers just for fun? Like, I'm just curious, right? Like, like hey, if they can make Windows 11 license keys, there we go. Like, obviously this is probably not right. I would take a real tracking number, drop it in here, and then um, go from there. I'm not even going to do this on stream because if this is a real tracking number, I would I would be really upset for, of my behavior. But um, my point is, you could write a script to do this and iterate over it, and then obviously once you find that, if I know that Jack Scott's getting a I, I heart NIST crop top delivered to her house, a I now know that she's getting something. B I know what her house address is. C I know how to contact her. D I can fish her by saying, Hey Jack, this is Jerry from UPS. Your crop top's going to be late. Click here, you know, for more information. And boom, fishing landing page. I got your creds. I own you. Done. Right? Like, for example, right? So this is a, you, you know, this isn't that novel an attack, but it's an interesting attack. Uh, it's good to go. By the way, Jack Scott, thanks for uh, purchasing the iHeart NIST crop top in this fake scenario I just made up. All right, guys, before you get going, love it, love it, love it. Let me tell you about something that's truly amazing happening later today. My friend John Hammond is going to be my guest on Simply Cyber Live at 4.30 p.m. today. Literally, we could be coming in wicked hot because I ordered new lights. I ordered new microphones. I ordered a, a microphone boom arm. I, 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 I'm, so, I'm so over the production issues. Um, and I like I really want John to have a great experience, so I bought some new gear. Okay, yeah, I'll show off the uh, Hackerverse uh, masks in a hot minute. Um, 
So anyways, 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. If you don't know who John Hammond is, I seriously suggest you come check us out. Um, the dude is, he's just, he's like, okay, so in, here, here's the real. In our industry, there's a lot of great people, okay? We are, we are way beyond the toxicity era of InfoSec. It used to be really toxic. It used to be really elitist. It's not that way anymore. Thank God. Now check this out. John Strand, John Hammond, right? Um, like those two come to mind immediately. There, there, there's others. Um, I'd have to think about it, but those two come to mind immediately. They are giving, they are thoughtful, they are deliberate, they are selfless in, in giving cybersecurity knowledge, giving value, helping the community. John is an exemplary example of an individual like that. And he's wicked smart. Guys, wicked smart. He's been leading the Move It vulnerability um, research. He has, uh, he makes content all the time. I want to talk to him about Advent of Cyber. I want to get into his favorite holidays. I want to know what he's working on. Like, we're going to have so many good conversations. And if you want your conversation, yeah, David Bomble, TCM, thank you. Uh, just, yeah, like Zach Hill, um, so many people. Um, so anyways, come hang out at 4.30. I dropped a link in chat. Now, if you were here just for the news, now, thank you very much for being here. I bid you good day. I hope, excuse me, I hope you um, go forth and do great things. Let me just check my schedule and see if I'm late for 9 o'clock. I am not. I have a 10 a.m., which means I can jaw jack. If you're new here, if you're hashtag team first timer, there's this thing we call jaw jacking. Somebody said something mean to me about two years ago uh, and we appropriated it and made it a good thing. So now we're in the jaw jacking segment of the show. If you want, what is this? All right, so uh, if you guys wanna hang out and, and jaw jack for a hot minute, let's do that. I'm here for AMA, I have my coffee. And, uh, oh, let's do the Hackerverse Army stuff. The Hackerverse Army's been super awesome. Check this out. If you don't know, look at these, look at Jack Scott, check this out. Um, this guy uh, who's running the Hackerverse, he connected with me, I got a mask, told the Simply Cyber community about it. Look at these masks, these things are insane, okay? These are the ones we already know. I, I really like this one for some reason. I think it's cool. Makes me think of the sister from uh, Mr. Robot. My favorite, I think, actually, I don't think. This one's really cool, astronaut. My absolute favorite is Dan Reardon's. In fact, this was my favorite, Grim Reaper surfing. But dude, my absolute favorite, there's mine, Doc Hops, okay? I don't know. I don't know if you guys like it. I, I think it's cool. If you look at my Discord uh, emote, that's me, Doc Ops. Okay? Now check this out. There's Sauls Despite. This is uh, Puppet Master. Black Knight. There's James uh, McQuigon Jim. Jim McQuigan. Dude, look at Haircut Fishes. This is, this is a tattoo a Marine gets when he gets out of boot camp right on his arm, writes USMC under it. Maybe he's like a diver or something. Look at that, dude. That's sick. 
Grim Reaper riding one of these sick, like, underwater fishes with a skull for a little bull. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, let's keep going. Cat and Eight. Love it with the, the bowling. This Medusa one's sick. Look at this. Here's another James McQuiggan. James going back to the well again, getting two. Here's, here's some new ones. Just a bite. Just a bite. Working out. I love it. Holy crap, what is this, Space Tacos? Little, um, you know this reminds me of? This reminds me of John Helmus. I know his, his name's not Space Tacos, but it reminds me of G John Helmus. Holy crap, wrong for Johnny? There's another Marine Corps one. Billy DP, which VPN should you use? It depends what you're talking about. I personally like, Adrian Harris, which one's yours? Which one's yours, Adrian Harris? Billy DP, if you like, um, I like Proton VPN personally. I'm not, I don't have an affiliate link or anything. Cool, I love it, Adrian Harris. Nice, I like Space Tacos too. Very cool. Alice in Wonderland, very nice. So, yeah, so this is the Hackerverse army. I'll just leave this one here for a minute. I want this on a t-shirt. So cool. All right, what, what, uh, here, I'm just gonna leave this on stream. What, um, yeah, I like Proton. So Quiet Gamer says Malvod. Yeah, I haven't talked to John in a minute either, Jax. I, I gotta message him. I wanna get one. So cool, it is really cool. PIA, what's PIA, uh, Joel Belton? I know you can roll your own VPN too using AWS, but that's probably the most expensive option. Oh, Scott B, Scott B, Scott B, Scott B, passing SSCP. Love it, love it, love it. Awesome. All right. Let's see. Oh, private internet access, okay. Quiet Gamer says, stay away from PIA. They're owned by a data broker now. Okay, okay. People slipping away. I see 200 here, down from 276. Understandable, people got work to do. Uh, I don't know anything about IPV. Like basically, as far as VPNs go, I like Proton and I don't know, Mrs. Ozier kind of, once I find something I like, I just stick with it. I don't, I don't really like, I don't have time to like <laughs> search around. You know what I mean? Um, the, okay. So if you're interested in the uh, website to check out these masks yourself, check this out here. I'm going to drop it in chat. Hackerverse army. There you go. You want to check it out? All right. Yesterday was chaos. Today, spicy. What's Friday going to bring? Yeah, I know. Well, dude, here's the thing, y'all. I don't know if you guys know this. If you're if you're if you're still here, you're probably a regular. But listen, take it easy, Justin Gold. Here's the deal. I don't read, review, do any prep for this show. Okay. I come to my desk at 750 
I load up all the apps and stuff, and then I sit here and drink coffee until it's eight o'clock and I go, I go ham on these things. So I don't know, I don't know what the stories are. I don't, it's not manufactured anger. It's like, I'm pissed. That's another thing. I'm, I'm an emotional person. If you know me personally, you know dang well that I'm very emotional. And if, if it's something that makes me feel great, I'm oozing like Patch Adams, okay? And if it's something that makes me mad, well, then I get mad. So that's that. Have a fun day, Usha. Have a good one, Travis. Good to see you. Nice, Mono Julian, Nord and Proton Mail. Hashtag regular, Rich64 knows what's up. Oh, thanks, Kimberly. All right. I'll give it six more minutes. I like going to 9.15. Apologies to NCC Group and Base Case if they get this far uh, for going over. How about Old School Friday for jaw jacking? Uh, maybe. What are your thoughts on moving into the IT space and then pivoting later into cyber? Yeah, that's a solid plan, William Welch. Solid plan. How do you tie risk issues to controls in CIS? Uh, oh, you have to work backwards, Ralph. So like you have to look at a control like CIS, right? So I think the first CIS control is hardware inventory. So if you look, or let me look, I think the first control is definitely inventory. I think it's uh, hardware. Let me look really quickly. Yeah, in inventory of hardware. It says enterprise assets, but it means hardware and software is second. Okay, so just as a quick little exercise, if you're gonna map risk, what was the question mapping risk to CIS controls? Um, tie risk, all right, so you have to look at uh, known I incidents, right? So like uh, with inventory um, assets, if you don't know what assets are there, you can have unmanaged infrastructure, shadow IT. You can also have, um, you have this exposure risk where like, okay, um, Barracuda the other day, for example, it, it, we covered it in the threat briefing. The other day, Barracuda announced that they have a massive vulnerability that they are not going to patch and they recommend that you replace the hardware. If you aren't doing CIS control one, you're exposing yourself know you have those barricade firewalls in place and you just got your butt hanging out in the wind like a hospital gown that isn't tied properly there, there's a risk right you're going to get slapped in the mouth especially if it's internet facing right so now you need to manage that risk by obviously doing inventory but an excel spreadsheet isn't going to do too much for you you need to do shodan monitor and externally scan your uh, network interfaces you need to use an internal vulnerability scanner or even just get wicked cheap and do an nmap scan across your ip range inventory what's there i follow up on assets that aren't captured like what the hell is this weird webcam operating system if people don't own it no one owns it you need to shut it off by like killing it at the switch until someone calls and complains that's how you manage risk and measure it against cis controls all right um what else are we talking about doc ops can you talk about the various state regs for grc and expound on your ideas on consolidated info for what ideas you have. Hey, Lyle Merton, and thanks for the happy Father's Day. I saw that message the other day. Um, well, so state regs, GRC, you know, all lawmakers want to 
please their constituents, right? So in certain states are more liberal than others, right? So you see massive privacy laws in Maine and California and stuff like that, and less in states like Texas, right? So, you know, I'm not well-versed on all the different states' um, laws. And as far as consolidating them go, it's going to be really tricky to consolidate them, honestly, because what ends up happening is you get these... Um, you get these these positions that cannot you can't meet in the middle. There's no compromise. Like I just said, we've got these massive privacy forward laws in California and not in North Dakota, for example. Right. So you're not going to get that agreement. And unfortunately, there was some discussion around like a federal privacy law, for example. And I know you asked about GRC, but the privacy one makes it easy because there's already a case study on it. Um, they said that they would do a federal privacy law, but they would basically assume the least stringent privacy regulations across the United States, which obviously pisses off a, a state like California, uh, but it makes it easy to manage, right? So it, it's, it's tough. Consolidating GRC is tough. Um, plus, it, GRC is difficult for people to wrap their head around, right? Like SecOps, looking at SIMs, network logs, here's what bad looks like. It's very easy. If, there's, if a building's on fire, it's very easy to say, send the fire department there, right? It's much more difficult when you're talking about, like, city planning and, like, you know, how streets are laid out and stuff like that because you can't really predict how things might shake out or where, like, a popular intersection is and stuff like that. So um, the GRC side is a little bit more difficult because it's a bit more nebulous. Hopefully that answers your question. Thank you for the video. I'm reading Lazaro Rivera. Thanks for the videos. They helped me prepare for the final interview. Made a good impression on the CIO. Lazaro, please report back. Please report back on getting the job because I would love to be like this. Oh my God, come on, man. I would love to report back that Lazaro nailed the job. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I make the videos to help people. Just a reminder, guys, I have it going out on social media. I know many of you uh, already have access to the GRC Masterclass, but just a reminder, the price is going to be going up. I don't, I'm trying to, I'm trying to socialize this everywhere. I post it all over LinkedIn. I'm seeing it on my streams. The, the price of the GRC class is going to go up for, for many reasons. And um, if you want, you know, to get it at the $30, get it at the $30, but just know uh, it's going to be going up uh, for many reasons, okay? Nice, Adrian Harris. Adrian Harris and everybody else with a resume right now, don't forget to check out the um, the ChatGPT video on upgrading your resume. Um, it's a great video. All right, that's going to do it for today's stream. Uh, guys, <clears throat> thank you all so very much. Uh, genuinely appreciate all of you. To the 168 who hung out, or 186, excuse me, uh, who hung out uh, for jaw jacking time. Genuinely appreciate it. Please come back. I can't wait for 4.30 to arrive so we can talk to John Hammond. It's going to be good. This needs a wire meme. I don't know what that means, wire meme.
Oh, Adrian Harris, yeah. I went from healthcare to GRC. You got this. All right. Guys, be good. I'm Jerry. This is the episode 393 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Hope you got value out of it. I certainly did. I always enjoy all of your inputs, comments, support. You guys are a, a wonderful bunch of people. Until 4.30 later today, y'all be good and stay secure. Thank you. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one. Come